This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable-ish podcast and what is I think possibly one of the most terrifying episodes I've ever recorded. Well what or who on earth could have got Jen so terrified? I am sure you are all asking. Is she interviewing David Attenborough or Greta? Sadly no. I'm interviewing myself (laughs) about book number two. The Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting, which is due out next week. And I was going to say at this point that I'm equal parts excited and terrified, but that would be a lie. I am plain terrified. The fear, the imposter syndrome, the doubts are kicking in big time. Who am I to write a book? Who am I to write a book about parenting, for God's sake? What if a proper expert reads it and declares it a load of old rubbish? I remember having the exact same fears and feelings when book number one came out. For those of you who don't know, book number one is the Sustainable-ish Living Guide. And I'm guessing that it's totally normal, but that doesn't make it any less terrifying. Pouring your heart and soul into something and then putting it out there for all to see, to comment on, to review, feels like the ultimate in vulnerability. I know how I want people to feel when they read the book. I know the impact that I want it to have. And now I just have to sit back and wait. The hard work is done in terms of the writing, but this bit honestly feels like the hardest bit, the waiting. Waiting to see what people will think. Waiting to see if people will buy it, if they'll read it, if they'll like it, if they'll share it, if they'll act on it. I think this is what they mean when they say feel the fear and do it anyway, right? And to add to that, I've decided that in this episode I wanted to answer your questions about the book and so now I'm feeling horribly self-indulgent and narcissistic making this episode all about me and my book. But having said all of that, I am hugely proud of the book and I really, really want people to buy it, to read it and most of all to take action on it. So I need to pull on my big girl pants, I need to talk about it, I need to share it. So I guess at this point it would be useful to remind you that the book is called The Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting. It's out on the 18th of March. And it's available to pre-order now. And pre-orders really do help sales and help books to climb the charts and get more eyes on them. So if it sounds like your cup of tea or like something someone you know would like, please do head over to wherever you usually buy your books from and grab yourself a copy. 
Right, quick swig of fortifying tea. Here we go with some questions. To avoid me entirely me making up some kind of weird FAQs of what I think people might ask, I posted on social media and asked people for their questions about the book. So these are all genuine questions. Here goes. Several people asking, is it aimed at parents with kids of a certain age or is it applicable from birth? That was Gina. Uh, Sylvia says, parents of what age kids? There seems to be more information online for little ones, but less for older kids when they want to start wearing branded clothes and computer games, etc. And Claire saying, is the guide aimed at new parents or can parents with kids of any age find a good point to dive in and get some tips and ideas? So yes, absolutely. I've tried to make it as inclusive as possible. There are, she says, flicking to the contents page because I wrote this a year ago, so it's hard to remember. Seven chapters. So we're starting off with some basic principles. Then there's a pre-baby chapter, new baby, bigger babies, toddlers and preschoolers, primary age school kids and the teenage years. So I hope there is something in there for everyone. And as with the Sustainable Living Guide, the idea is that you know, if you want to, you can read it cover to cover and that would be amazing. But if you, you know, you can just dip in and out. You can take what you need and leave the rest for a later date. So obviously, if you're expecting, you're going to be more interested in the pre-baby and the baby and newborn uh, chapters. And obviously, if you've got older kids, then uh, you're going to be much more interested in the chapters further on. You know, I would love this to be a book that people give for a baby shower or buy themselves when they're expecting and they keep it as their little kind of uh, resource as their children grow but hopefully there is something in there for everybody okay so next question always feels weird reading out people's instagram handles at this girl fran <laughs> i'm assuming you're called fran can i ask who it is aimed at parents who currently don't do any kind of green parenting or those who already walk slash bike reuse use cloth nappies etc and without giving the whole book away what areas does it cover so i've talked about these seven chapters I would say, and I said this for the Sustainable-ish Living Guide as well, you're probably not going to find a huge amount of new stuff if you are already walking and biking, reusing, using cloth nappies. There is no secret sauce. There is no magic bullet in there. There's no amazing new science or anything like that. What I really wanted to do with both the books is make it as accessible as possible for people to get started, is make it as non-judgmental as unscary as possible I guess so I think you're probably going to get the most out of it if you are more towards the beginning of your journey I think often one of the things I find with parenting is that maybe people were pretty green before they had kids and then your life get and your world gets turned upside down you have kids you have no time headspace energy to do anything and then after a year or maybe a bit longer you're looking up and you're thinking oh hold on a minute we used to be pretty green how can we um, sort of get back to that. So if that's you, then I think it would be a really good book. Also, I think with parenting, it might be that you're someone who's been vaguely aware of kind of climatey stuff. And then when I think we have kids and we're suddenly like, whoa, the future is pretty important for this precious new bundle that I've got. What can I do to um, start to be a little bit greener and things? So Yes, I think that's a great question, Fran. And I think I've written it more for people who are perhaps towards the start of their journey. But actually, I was really surprised with the feedback from the Sustainable-ish Living Guide from the first book that actually lots of people who were saying, well, you know, you know, you said it wasn't for me because I was already this far on, but I've still found some really useful and inspiring stuff in it. So yes, that's my very long-winded answer to that one. 
Suze asks, uh, is it a similar format to your first book? Is it good for beginners in the eco world? And Marily asks, how much overlap is there with your first book? Will those who've read that still find more in this book? And I have to confess, this was a bit of an issue that we had when um, the first book came out. And I think obviously Bloomsbury kind of waited or we, we all waited to see if anybody would buy it. And then Charlotte, my lovely editor at Bloomsbury, got in touch and said, right, OK, what are we going to do for book number two? And we sat there, we met up in Bath, actually, February last year, just, you know, pre-lockdown. Amazing. Um, and we sort of sat and looked at each other. And we were like, what What can we do for another book? We made this really difficult for ourselves because I feel like the first book was really comprehensive and we tried to cover as much as possible in there. But actually, it felt like parenting was an area where there was a lot more to explore and um, where there were some different challenges and things that people might find and where I wasn't seeing in the research that I was doing and in the books that I was looking at that were available, I wasn't seeing the kind of book that I wanted to write. I felt like a lot of the parenting, eco-parenting books were very much, you know, you need to do cloth nappies, you need to do this, um, you know, should we be vaccinating our children? All these things that might be quite polarising maybe and might feel like they only apply to a certain type of parent and and I am saying that in full awareness of the stereotyping that I'm doing there but um, I wanted to write something that was accessible for everybody that somebody who didn't think of themselves as green or eco would feel okay picking up with and having a flick through and hopefully taking some tips from. So there is some overlap with the um, original book. The chapter, chapter one, I think I've called it some basic principles in the first book I talk, and, and in this book, I talk about this uh, amazing hierarchy of needs by the amazing, wonderful Sarah Lazarovich. And um, so that's featured in there again. I talk about some basic principles around plastic again, around waste, all those kinds of things. So there's a bit of overlap because it's hard in that I want it to be, or we wanted it to be a, a standalone book, but also we obviously wanted it to be something interesting and useful for people who've already read the first book and maybe want something else as well. So yes, there is a little bit of overlap, but I really hope that there is enough new stuff in there to make it really um, sort of attractive and appealing to somebody um, who's already read the first book and maybe wanting a bit more about parenting. Uh, and Rachel also asks, what's the difference between this book and your last? Obviously aimed at parents, but are there new topics? Is it the same information, but tailored to parenting? Really great question. And as I said, there is no secret sauce in there. There is no magic bullet. And, and the basic principles of sustainability don't change, do they? You know, buy less, buy less crap you don't need. Um, use less stuff wherever you can, look for things secondhand. But what I've tried to do is try to really tailor that to parenting, try to tailor that to the different stages that our children go through and flag up some of the amazing organisations, businesses, projects that are happening that help us to be greener. So there's stuff in there about um, nappy libraries, there's stuff in there about toy subscription services, there's stuff in there about um, renting your kids' clothes, all those kinds of things. So it's the same basic themes, I guess, because that is sustainability and, and that encompasses pretty much everything in our lives but very much tailored specifically to the challenges that we might face um, when we're bringing up our young people. Um, a couple of questions from Ida and from Tamsin both along a similar line. Ida what I really want to know is how on earth did you manage to write a book in the middle of lockdown whilst homeschooling and providing 574 sustainable-ish snacks a day? And Tamsin says, how on earth did you write a book during lockdown with two kids at home? Honestly, I'm not sure. 
<laughs> the uh, contract for this book got signed. I think it was the last one out of the door before lockdown from Bloomsbury or one of the last ones. And uh, I signed it like literally as we went into lockdown and my deadline was something like the 15th of June. So it was literally those three months of that first lockdown. My husband was home for the first month and then went back to work and he's a key worker. So he was out of the house for work. Unfortunately, had I been really sensible, I would have used that first month to write the book. But, you know, I thought he's going to be off for three months. This is going to be amazing. And I'm someone who, unless I has a deadline, you know, and, and a pretty tight deadline, I don't get anything done. So I probably spent that first month reeling a little bit with shock from lockdown, trying to get my head around that, feeling really sad, do, you know, going through that whole grief process that I think a lot of us did with lockdown and not really knuckling down and getting on with the book, if I'm absolutely honest. So it did come down to a lot of weekends. Um, a lot of the I, I remember um, pinning a notice to the door of the study saying, whatever you need, go and ask daddy. It didn't work at all. Obviously, they were still coming in and whinging at me when the other one's being annoying or asking for snacks when daddy happens to be out in the garden or whatever it is. At one point, I even took myself out to our caravan. We have a caravan that lives on the drive and obviously we're not going anywhere in it at the moment. So I took myself out to the caravan thinking, you know, they won't come all that way out to find me. They did. <laughs> but I think luckily, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I can write pretty quickly. I really enjoy the writing process. So actually it was, you know, maybe it was a bit of a nice excuse to escape from the kids at the weekend. Obviously, I didn't say that. Um, but to be able to absolve responsibility for the children, hand them over to my husband at the weekend and say, I've got to go and write a book and I shall lock myself away and only come out to join you for a walk. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how I did it, um, but mostly at the weekends is how it was done. Uh, let's have a look. What else have we got? So, Sarah, this is a really great question, uh, quite a long one with multiple parts, which is the sort of question I always ask. So I like it. I'm amazed you were disciplined enough to make the time for the project in such difficult circumstances. Thank you, Sarah. That's really lovely. In terms of buying the book, I'd like to know the basic things like the topics of the chapters and how easy it is to pick actions that work for the age of your child. Does it include ideas or tips for how to give appropriate messaging to different ages, as well as the people that help you to raise your children, such as a partner, grandparent, teacher, etc.? I love this. This, this many, many questions, Sarah. Let me have another swig of tea and I will answer. Okay, so within each chapter, so we, the chapters are split by age range, within each chapter, so obviously there are things that we couldn't avoid, so there's a big section on nappies in new babies, uh, what else have we got? We've got uh, clothes, we've got baby wipes, we've got um, weaning and um, baby food pouches, just flicking through, trying to remember kids' shoes, school uniform, toys, all, I tried to kind of think, you know, like from the point at which I we decided we were going to have a baby. Where do we go from here? And what are the steps that we've been through? When it got to the teenage years, my kids are 12 and 9. So um, obviously some of that isn't spoken as an experienced parent of teenagers. But I actually got an amazing young person, Joe Brindle, who is very involved with the um, School Climate Action Network. Um, he came and um, very kindly contributed a bit for that. And yes, that whole point around um, is there bits on that around engaging both the kids and messaging and talking to our partners and grandparents. There is a whole section on how we get our partners on board. There is a whole, she says, flicking through. There's a whole section on, yeah, getting other, uh, our partners in board. There's a whole section as well on grandparents and relatives. So hopefully, again, I don't have the magic bullet answer, but there are tips and ideas and things that you can try in there. You know, these are still 
things that I'm working on with, uh, you know, bringing my partner along for the ride. These are things that I still struggle with, with um, sort of wider family and things like that. So these are some suggestions. We've also got some case studies and contributions from other people and their experiences and things that they've tried and stuff like that. So I think that's a really key part, you know, in, in parenting and in sustainability is how we how we do this messaging without making other people feel rubbish. Um, and how we bring our kids and our wider family along for the ride. So hopefully, you know, there's there's lots of that kind of stuff in there. The other thing um, where Suze was asking about, is it similar to the first book? Those of you who've read the first book will know that at the end of every chapter, what I tried to do was to sort of, um, to sum up, to give you some, a list of quick wins that you can do for each topic. And then a little kind of action area. So there's a little bit at the um, end of every chapter where you can write down like what you're actually going to do, what you're actually going to change as a result of having read that chapter. And I've done exactly the same thing in this one. So at the end of each chapter, there's, you know, five quick wins to do with a newborn, five quick wins and actually five quick wins to do with a toddler. And I'm very... um, take pains to emphasize the fact that I am aware there are no quick wins to be had with a newborn especially if it's your first there are no quick wins to be had with a toddler but there are some gentle suggestions of first steps you might want to take and then there's space for you to grab a pen because I love nothing more than seeing seeing my books with post-it notes with highlighted bits with pen scribbled on them that they're actually kind of used with the with the spine creased all that kind of thing so there is space at the end of every chapter to come up with your own little action plan, some ideas for steps that you might take and for when you want to take them. Because I say this all the time when I do talks. And when I sold the last book, I was like, don't buy this talk, um, this book. Don't come to this talk unless something is actually going to change. Otherwise, it's just a waste of paper, a waste of emissions, a waste of hot air, whatever. Um, so, you know, I really, really want people to be able to read this book and to then think, okay, actually now we can go and do this one small step and then to do that and then to come back and think, okay, so what's next? Or to be able to tick off a goat, nailing it, done those two things. Oh, brilliant. Hadn't thought of that one. I'll be able to go and do that one. So, it, you know, the, the idea is it's a very action focused book. Debs asks this question and it's a great question, Debs. What has this book got that others haven't? And then she said, if that's too hard a question, don't worry, you don't have to use it. I am not going to back away from the difficult questions, Debs. As I said earlier, I was having a look around, you know, part of um, sort of putting a proposal together and taking that to Bloomsbury, part of that is having a look around and seeing what other books are around, seeing what similar books are around and talking about why your book that you want to write is going to be different. And I just wasn't seeing A, anything very much on sustainable and eco-parenting and B, the stuff I was seeing seemed to be targeted very much at a particular demographic dare I say stereotype of person who might want to be looking at eco-parenting and what I wanted to create and what I hope fingers crossed I've created is a book that is as accessible as possible to as many people as possible so you don't have to feel like you're uh, a green parent or even aspiring maybe to be a green parent to pick up the book and to take some ideas that are really going to help your kids and help create that sort of brighter future that healthier cleaner greener future that we all want and need for our kids I think as parents we have a a huge amount of power I've been asked this question on a couple of um, sort of podcasts I've been a guest on to promote the book and you know well surely actually you know the, the most sustainable thing we can do is to not have kids and yeah of course absolutely the most sustainable thing you know just just living is inherently unsustainable being alive in this day and age is inherently unsustainable what is important I think and I'm making the assumption that most people who are going to 
be interested in the book will either be very strongly thinking about having children or will have their own children. So the very last thing I want to do is to layer on the guilt. There's enough guilt that comes with parenting. The very last thing I want to do is to layer on that guilt and to make people feel rubbish about their most precious, gorgeous baby or child or whatever. Um, Mike Berners-Lee talks about this in his book, um, How Bad a Bananas, that actually it's not necessarily the number of children we have, it's how we bring those children up. So if I can help people to take some baby steps, take some small steps to be a bit greener, to lower their own impact, to lower their kids' impact, and to hopefully bring their children up in a way that it is then second nature for them to go on, to go out into their adult lives and to take on board and to take with them some of these principles around sort of sustainable living and things, then, you know, that's had a really big knock-on effect as well. You know, it doesn't take a genius to think that the child of a a Premier League footballer is going to have a much, much bigger impact than probably the 10 children of somebody living in a, you know, a developing nation somewhere. So that the way that we bring our children up not only has an impact on the, the sort of carbon emissions, if you like, of getting them to, to age 18, it hopefully has a huge impact on the life that they then sort of go on to lead as grown-ups and whether they have a period of rebelling against us and buying all the fast fashion and eating all the fast food while they're teenagers you know, my real hope, and I don't know what my kids are going to do yet, but my real hope is that we've sort of embedded some of those principles for them to come back to. So that's my kind of whistle-stop tour of the book, answering some of your questions. I'm sure that probably you might have lots more, and I hope you do, and I would love to answer them. So you can either just drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk, or you can come and find me on socials, I will be banging on a lot about the book for the next few weeks and probably months. And there's there's the the very female maybe part of me that wants to apologise for that. And then there's other part of me going, no, I will make no apologies for that. I I really hope this is going to be a really impactful book that is, um, you know, going to really help people and going to, dare I say it, change the world. So yeah, it's the Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting. It is available everywhere you can buy books. It's available to pre-order now. It's out on the 18th of March, but I've already seen a couple of people tag me on social media saying it's dropped onto their onto their doormats through their post boxes, which is very, very exciting. So yeah, any questions, any feedback, any comments, I would love to see them. Please do pre-order. You know, if you're not a parent, then I'm guessing you probably know some people who are. Um, so pointing them in, in the direction of the book or maybe even buying them a copy would be absolutely amazing. So thank you for indulging me in uh, this very, what feels like a very self-indulgent episode. I hope it's been helpful to answer some of your questions that you might have around the book, maybe giving you a bit of a teaser, a bit of a taster, maybe even, you know, giving you a bit of a nudge to go on and um, pre-order a copy. Thank you so much as ever for all your support. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I look forward to catching up. Oh, next week, next week, I've got a special little mini series of parenting type podcasts um parenting type episodes with some amazing guests i've got ellie jackson who is the author of the amazing wild tribe series of books i've got lee ray davis from eco schools talking about how we can help make our schools a bit greener i've got rachel boyette little veggie eats talking about how we can introduce a bit more veggie stuff how we can get our kids to actually eat some vegetarian meals if that's what we're wanting to do and lots more as well so hopefully you will enjoy that So I will see you again next week. Take care. You've 
you've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review, and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is, and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.